0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Throwing Up Bricks podcast, episode 21. We're still here. We're still doing this. Uh, As always, I'm your host, Jared, and that over there
1: is Jake. LeBron James last night ties Derek Fisher for most playoff wins in NBA history with 161.
0: Yep. It was a win. It was an ugly game, but it's still a win, I guess. Ugly series Um, so
1: far. It really
0: is, man. I just don't like the clashing of styles that we have in that series. I said it before. I'm going to watch the games because I'm a Laker fan, but God, I have to watch Rockets basketball now. Ugh.
1: As in all our time as being Laker fans and watching Laker fans from you know Kobe's three P or two P to uh, the struggling Lakers of the past decade, have you ever been more frustrated from by a team than this Laker team? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it's hard to remember
0: in retrospect, right? It's hard to remember how you felt while you were watching certain games with Kobe and, and Shaq and all those. But, like, I don't think so. I, I, I'm with you. It's it's frustrating and it's kind of scary. Like, I'm not confident in us down the stretch here. No.
1: I I remember the playoffs runs with Kobe against, the, like, the Houston Rockets and the Jazz and all those rough first, second round series. And I was never worried I was always confident in in that team and Kobe. I'm like super nervous and scared for games down the stretch with if LeBron's going to hit his shots or what they're going to do on offense. It's something about yeah. only having one primary playmaker. And he, he can't
0: hit his free throws either, which is like a super underrated scary part, right? Like uh-huh. if he goes to the line, it's like, uh-oh, I don't, I don't know. LeBron might go one for three here. Like yeah. he did during that big three down the stretch. He got fouled on a three-pointer and then he goes one for three. It's yeah, like, come on, man. Oh, yeah. Sorry, we got sidetracked though. Let's let's get back to the <laughs> housekeeping here. <laughs> we could talk Lakers for days. Um, yeah, so as always, uh, if you want to reach out to us, uh, you can do so at throwingupbricksjj at gmail.com. Again, that's throwingupbricksjj at gmail.com. Um, pod name followed by a JJ. I'm working on I mean, I made the Twitter account, I just haven't done anything with it. So it's sitting there. You could look it up, but, but it doesn't do anything. Yeah, you so could heckle It us, does exist, though. But you can heckle us, maybe. I'm not even sure if I get the notifications from it, but okay. Uh, anyways, um, where can you find us, Jake?
1: Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Alexa, on the street corner, at Vons, Spotify. everywhere.
0: <laughs> on the street corner, Jesus. Make us sound like drug dealers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or uh, something else, the world's oldest profession. Um, all right, we're really inside Jackie. here. Let's just go back. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's just let's get into basketball. This is a horrible intro. Did you like that? I strung them together this time.
1: I good. know. It was <laughs> whack. Uh, uh, was cool. <laughs> all
0: right. Um, well, since we're so fired about the Lakers, um, fired up about the Lakers. Sorry. Sometimes my mouth moves faster than my brain, and I don't know what happens there. But uh, let's talk about the Lakers, because we're so fired up about them. It's fresh on our minds. We're recording this on a Monday morning. Um, the Lakers just got their win to even the series, 1-1 against the Rockets. They beat them in game two, to 117-109. Um, I think the last time we talked, they hadn't even played one game. So yeah. they lost the first game, 112-97, to and that was brutal. Uh, to watch um, but we, we got them back here we got them back and we were in control in the first half pretty solidly uh, there was a really scary moment in the third quarter when the Rockets just came roaring back out of the gates they hit like wow. I think three straight threes to come out the, the gate in the second half um, and close the lead just immediately basically um, but but you know the Lakers held on they weathered the storm of the three pointers that the Rockets started hitting and then uh, down the stretch I just smacked my mic <laughs> I just, over here gesturing i just like straight smacked it like it <laughs> was eerily reminiscent of when we were kids and you would do the same thing to milk glasses jake oh
1: yeah for those of you that don't understand whenever my mom was out of town and our dad had to take care of us he was always just this look of defeat on his face because <laughs> every time during dinner i would spill my plate on my lap and then in a fit of of theatrical complaining, I would go, "Oh no!" and wave my arms and smack my glass of milk across the room. <laughs> just exactly the child,
0: man <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I pulled a real you right there. But <laughs> anyways, I was saying, so we we weathered the rocket storm, and then um, yeah, towards the end, we just kind of let what I think is the best strategy: just let Russell Westbrook shoot them out of the game. Dear like, lord, <laughs> as much as, as I love Westbrook,
1: time. he's looked absolutely horrible. Yeah, I mean, I mean
0: he looked. Okay, in game one, like he he got to the rim against us. But if he's going to be taking, you know, five threes in game one, seven threes in this one, he's only going to make one of them. I, I love that. I would love Westbrook to shoot twenty threes. I would love him to shoot every three for the Rockets. Like, go ahead and fire,
1: dude. It's it's pretty bad. And on top of that, it's the turnovers, the out of control. Like, as yeah, he had seven in this one. Yeah, as as fast and attacking and you know that that one speed as he usually is. You don't really see him make these horrible turnovers. He's just running around. He said it himself. I'm just out there running around, chucking the ball. I don't know. <sighs> he needs to figure it out if they have a chance to win this series.
0: He does because uh, Harden's going to do his thing. It it's a it's interesting. I think we're actually doing a decent job now. We we understand what we have to do on Harden. Is so we just have to force the ball out of his hands. I think that's the best strategy, and it's what we kind of used a, a lot of times here. You force the ball out of his hands and into other hands, especially Westbrook, who then will chuck up shots because he gets frustrated. Um, but even if it's going to an Eric Gordon or a PJ Tucker or a Covington or a Mclemore or whatever Daniel House, who's actually been really good for them, Daniel he's been balling. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he oh. Weirdly enough, he's the only one who scored off their bench. Like everybody serious? else on their bench did not score. Yeah, look at the look at the box score. He's wow. the only one that scored. He scored 13 off their bench. He was their entire bench scoring. So I underrated part of why we won that second game. Um although their bench just doesn't score a lot. In game 1, their bench only two players off their bench scored, Jeff Green and Rivers, and they only combined for 17 points. So
1: they only have an 8 man rotation well. to be fair.
0: Yeah. They really do. They, they shorten it. Anyways, I, I digress. Basically, if you force the ball out of Harden's hands uh, and force everybody else to beat you, you have a lot better chance because they don't play make like Harden does. Right. Um, so I, I think doubling out of his hands is the best for the Lakers because we have the length and the the athletes to recover on defense and to rotate when when that happens. Um, and we did a really good job of that in game two, I thought. So when, when we force the ball out of his hands and, and everybody just rotates around the, the, the floor and gets the open man. Um, because the Rockets are just it's interesting to watch their style they are like no other team in that they will drive into the lane have a shot at a semi-contested layup and (laughs) instead just pass it out to a three yeah Uh like they don't want to take anything but threes no Uh, it's it's insane I mean they took 53 in this one 53 threes you know how many we took 27 yep We, we took like half their threes it's ridiculous okay and i mean they made 22 of them so like Uh, they were cooking but we weathered the storm they turned the ball over a bunch and that's how we won because we got high percentage shots
1: pointing out that stat is pretty phenomenal because i remember during that run in the third quarter where they were hitting their shots Mm -hmm. um and the second quarter i guess at one point they were 16 for 32 so yeah,
0: they were falling
1: yeah. down the stretch of the game as Rockets teams have done playoffs after playoffs after playoffs they go on this cold stretch of not hitting up any threes and that loses the game for them once again, as I said before, this Rockets team determines if they're gonna win or lose they and they alone every single game if they hit their threes victory if they don't, it's an l
0: yeah, it is um because they started a little bit cold right mm-hmm. and that's how we got that lead and then, yeah, they came back, just stormed back behind their threes, and that's all they do. That's that's literally their game plan. It's very one dimensional, and it's hard to deal with. Don't get me wrong, because they have such great shooters, and they move the ball, and Harden's amazing. But during the minutes when Westbrook's on the floor, it it's kind of great for us, right? Because you just force the ball to him. He won't shoot. You back off him. He will shoot because then he gets insulted, uh, or he'll you know charge him in the lane head first and get a charge or something. Like yeah. it's right now, Westbrook is our best player.
1: Exactly. just his last (laughs) series he is an oklahoma city through and through and now he's playing for la but yeah i digress let's let's talk about the other side of this matchup um as frustrated as i am with the lakers at times i am happy that lebron and ad are taking over uh are taking the majority of the shots and are being aggressive
0: they really are yeah they stepped up in this one um they scored 34 and 28 respectively ad and, and lebron did in this one i mean lebron doing his normal almost triple double stuff with yep. 28 11 and 9 ad being hyper uh efficient 15 of 24 from the field 101 from three uh the problem for us that i would harp on the most on offense is well it's twofold a really ticky tack thing that i hate is our free throws but we're just not going to fix that we suck at free throws apparently like we shot 61 percent from the free throw line in this one and the only people who took free throws were AD and LeBron, like Rondo took two free throws and that's it. That's the rest of the team didn't take a free throw. So that's, I mean, 18 free throws is not enough for a team that's supposed to be in the paint a lot. Um, but when we get to the line, we suck at them. So maybe they just don't want to shoot free throws. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, the other thing I was going to say though, is that we don't take advantage enough of our size. Like nominally we have this big advantage inside, but when we go to AD, AD, so many times he gets shoved out to almost a three-point line by pj tucker like he can't get position deep where we throw him the ball every time the entry pass comes to him he gets pushed all the way out to almost a three-point line and and when you start your offense out there like it's a lot harder to play like a big man and mash inside and get fouls and stuff like it showed in ad's free throw attempts he only had six in this game
1: yeah it was he he takes that turnaround jumper a lot which he's amazing at don't get me wrong it's it's maybe his best shot in his bag but yeah it's it's it's, settling yeah it's interesting that a guy that's seven feet tall can't body a six five guy that's guarding him but i guess that's kudos to pj tucker and kudos to the rockets offense for doubling when he's on that on that uh that right block um to be fair Everybody likes to you know, make fun of the Rockets for their defense. They're an extremely improved defensive team this year.
0: Did you know that prior to this game, um, they were the best defense in the bubble? Yeah, I heard that, and I was shocked. Yeah. I don't know after this game. Maybe it's still true after this game. But yeah, that shocked me too. I mean, to even be towards the top is crazy for a team that, like you said, their center is nominally 6'5". So, mm.
1: And um, Robert Covington has been absolutely phenomenal in these mm. playoffs.
0: Yeah, between those two guys, like those two guys are giving maximum effort every night, and that's the only reason they have this semblance of a of a back line of defense, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um PJ is an absolute brick. You just can't move the dude. He's like a lodestone. And um yeah, and and Covington is so long and he's so good at that help rotation and just just altering shots, maybe not even blocking them necessarily, but just just altering shots, making it a little bit tougher, and then being in great position for rebounds because the other thing I would say is that we we are not winning the rebounding battle the way I thought we would. Like we're we're getting more rebounds at the end of the day. Like they only had thirty five rebounds and we had forty one rebounds. But in at halftime they were actually rebounding us by two. I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So we we really ramped it up in the second half, but it's just it's weird because like what they do is they gang rebound. They send everybody in the paint. At, at certain times I'm watching and I'm like. Jesus, it's just Anthony Davis down there trying to rebound against five Rockets players. Yeah, uh-huh. it's it's ridiculous. He's just in a sea of red, and and I don't know why we don't send more people. It's like we almost underestimated them in that sense. Like we're like, oh well, we have the taller players, so we only need to send one or maybe two of them to get the board. And then the Rockets are like, nah, we're gonna sell out. Everybody's crashing the boards. We're all there, um, and that's how they rebound. They gang rebound. So I think we need to adjust on that front. I think we need to to put a little more priority and a little more. We need to respect their rebounding prowess despite them not being tall. Um, we need to send more guys to crash the boards because if we get that advantage, that's what we have. You know, we don't we don't shoot better than them for you know, we shot okay in this one, which was good. We shot forty four percent from three, which was awesome. Our, our our bench players, Marcus Morris, man. Yeah, or was it Mark Keith? God, it's Mark Keith, isn't it? On our yeah, team. It's Mark Keith. Yeah, so he shot four for five, man. He could not miss in the first half there. So, like that was awesome. Um, we needed that. Kuz went one of one, uh, which is, I mean, surprisingly, he only shot one three-pointer. He's he was highly effective. Up, but <laughs> yeah. He was highly effective. Yeah, six to seven overall. Rondo hit a three, even though he missed four of them. Um, but yeah, our role players were hitting threes. Danny finally broke out of his slump. He uh-huh. went three for five. So that was good to see. We need that. But um, in order to weather the storm when we don't have that, we need to win the rebounding battle.
1: Amen. And I think another key, uh, what the last thing I'll touch on, is Rondo and his play. Um while at times he looks like he's not being productive with the miss threes and and stuff, if you look at his box score, he was plus twenty-eight in this game. Yeah. And down the stretch he hit two huge wide-open mid-range jumpers where they dared him to shoot all la Westbrook and he knocked it down. So as frustrating as it seems that he's taking all, all uh, Caruso's minutes, who's really worked for him in these playoffs. I think he, at times he can be an extreme net positive for this team in terms of getting people into the offense, getting guys shots. Uh, he was a key factor in uh, Morris hitting all those threes. He set him up. So if he can play like this, it, it, it gives us another guy who can run the offense outside of LeBron.
0: You hit it right on the head. Cause in, We've seen both sides of this coin, right? In game one, we saw a horrible Rondo for yeah. us where the team is backing off him a la Westbrook and daring him to shoot, and he just can't do it. He can't make enough to make them pay, um, and, and he wasn't playmaking either. He wasn't then taking that space that they're giving him and driving him in the lane to create something. He was just settling. He looked hesitant. It was his first game back, right? um it would have been nice to have him a little bit last series but he he had that i forgot what he got when he got in the bubble he had another side injury that he did deal with but um yeah it would have been nice for him to ramp up because he looked really bad in game one but in game two you're right uh it's not always pretty but his playmaking he was a little bit of a pest on defense which was good to see playoff rondo back in action oh yeah definitely um, yeah and he just has a nose for for the ball and for good plays you know kind of like getting points in the margins, I almost want to say, right? Where he just finds gold. He finds plays to, where he pokes the ball away and it it goes to one of our guys or where there's a, a loose rebound in the middle of the floor and he grabs it and just throws a quick little pass at the corner where we get open three. Like just little plays that he, he has a nose for still, even though he's no longer his athletic young self. Um, so if he can play defense, he's a huge net positive for us.
1: Amen. Um,
0: yeah. So going forward, I think that's the keys. Rebounding. Having at least a semi-respectable shooting performance from our guys and then getting the free throw line a little bit more. Because if we do that, I think we're going to be really hard to beat for the Rockets. Uh, and on defense, we need to force the ball out of hardness hands, like I said. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I I am looking at this series, and I think the Lakers, if they stick to all those principles, they can do this in five or six games. But if they don't, then the Rockets can surely steal them. Um, it's good that we won this game where they shot well as a team, Yeah, where they shot yeah. 41%. Exactly. Um, because they're going to have games where they don't shoot that well. And, and hopefully those will be a little easier for us to win. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right, let's move on to the next series. We spent a lot of time on that series. Uh, but there were two games. Uh, this next series also had two games since we last talked the, the bucks and the heat. Um, so to recap, where we last left off your heroes, they were watching the Bucs. No, I'm, just, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> the the Bucks and the Heat, where we last left off, the series was 2-0 Miami. Um, and we thought, uh, while we were worried about the Bucks, we thought they could come back. We just saw the Raptors come back from 2-1 uh, or 2-0. I mean, they, they took a game back. So it can happen for the upper seed. Um, and then the Heat just decided to dismantle them in game three and just <laughs> one fifteen to 100 beat the bucks in game three and went up three Oh in the series. And as you know, Jake, no team has ever in NBA history come back from three Oh.
1: Yeah. Um, as good as this last game was with the bucks coming back without Giannis and winning, which we'll talk about. Um, there's no chance that they win the series. Um, exactly. Like you said before the pod, it's just a matter of when the heat are going to close them out. And, uh, like we talked about numerous times, this Heat team is just so much fun to watch. I don't know what about it. There's some some weird thing in the water over there in Miami that that makes them so adaptable and so next man up mentality in terms of who's going to carry the scoring load.
0: Yeah, they have a lot of guys that will step up. I mean, Tyler Hero, man, is there a dude who's colder blooded in this league? Like Right now, this rookie is stepping up and hitting ridiculously huge shots. And like, like it's nothing, yeah. you know, he just walks away from the play afterwards. Like, yeah, whatever.
1: And it's Nailed not it. just in game. It's not just in game four. He's been doing this down the stretch of games, the whole series.
0: He has like the entire series. And, and actually I want to, I really want to point out, um, Jay Crowder. Oh yeah. He's been a super, un, he's all, all of a sudden turned into Clay Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. I'm serious. Look at his three pointers from from this series and, and the bubble overall. I think like he went five of eleven in, in game three against the uh, against the Bucks. He went six of twelve in this one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I don't know what he did in the first two games of the series, but it feels like the dude's just turned into Clay Thompson overnight. Um, and he's doing it confidently. He's just stepping into these shots and knocking them down. And like and I think that's just that's sim- uh, uh, that's representative of the entire Heat kind of role players, right? Like They're all just stepping up unafraid. They're doing what they need to do. And they're just pouring in the points and helping wherever they can. And it's fun to watch that. It's always fun to watch that.
1: Despite all the stories about Butler and how he could be difficult at times and his whole Miami stint or uh, Minnesota stint and whatnot, he has possibly been the best leader here in the playoffs so far in terms of getting his guys to play at a higher level to maximize their talent um, Absolutely, and when you watch them play, they all have the utmost confidence in him and the, and themselves.
0: They uh, they do. Um, what it's interesting down the stretch in this last one though, in particular. So the the Bucks did win somehow. They managed to win Game Four uh, in overtime. After Giannis went down, Uh so we all saw that he twisted his ankle in game three. He still played in game three because he twisted his ankle early, I think, in game three, but he still played. And then he was questionable for this game, but he actually started playing Um, and he was he was playing decently well. Yeah,
1: he was. Um,
0: He just uh, early in the second quarter, I think it was uh, he drove around. Was it Iguodala? And when he came down with that that ankle, which it always happens, man, he didn't even step on Iguodala's foot. He just came down on that ankle weirdly yeah, and twisted it as he was going up for a layup and put like all his weight on it. And so, yeah, he went up. He was in pain. He went down to the ground for a long time there. Um, he came out, and I actually learned something interesting here. Um, if you come out like that for an injury and you don't go to shoot the free throws that for the foul, uh, you can't come back in the game. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he had to I didn't know that actually. This is the first time I learned that. So he had to come back in the game and shoot the free throws on this bum leg that he can't even walk on. Yeah. Uh in order to have a chance if the you know goes back to the room, they tape it up, he starts to feel better or something, then he can come back in the game. So he that was a heroic moment there. He he went out there, and he hit the free throws um well he hit one of them <laughs> classic honest yeah. he's Shaq 2.0 <laughs> um you want him and then he goes back to the locker room but it turns out he can't go it's, it's too much pain he can't do it you saw him like in tears basically on the way back to the locker room so you got to feel for the guy he's he's laid it all out there for this team regardless of how good he's played he's given his all in this series um it's tough to watch and uh i don't know what the nba is waiting for in terms of assigning him as mvp i mean pretty soon here the bucks yeah. are going to be eliminated like And he's you're going to give the MVP to the team that just got eliminated and swept out, like yeah, it is going to be a little awkward.
1: Um, And I heard one of (laughs) the announcers say it. uh, You kind of are shocked at the Bucks' performance uh, in this series in particular, but it's a whole different season. You can't really count this bubble season and think of the teams in terms of their, uh, you know, 2019 early 2020 performances because during that time the Bucks looked um, historically good, right, unbeatable. But they're a different team coming in the bubble. It's a new season, and they have not been as dominant and unbeatable as they looked uh, in the previous season. And I think the Heat just clicked at the right time and are taking it to them.
0: So are you still on the camp that uh, that this counts then as a normal championship? I definitely think just said.
1: So. The more I watch these games, the more I think, yes, it counts. Because everybody's in the same exact position. Everybody's on the same level. No home court advantage. Uh, the coronavirus hasn't been an issue knock on wood at all um injuries have been less than i thought um a lot less i thought there was going to be injuries left and right so every but you stuff- just
0: didn't you just say that you know it's different we, it's, yeah, you know, if yeah. the season had continued we would have seen different teams exactly like the lakers would have been much better the bucks would have been much better
1: it's a season so it's you- not the you, i think it counts as the 2020 season i think you can't really Combine this with what happened pre-COVID. Those two are different seasons, but I think it counts as a championship and a season of of event in itself. Wow. okay, That was a lot of words to say. (laughs) It's okay. I do that all the
0: time. I I mean, I I respectfully disagree. Um, Yeah, I I don't think it counts. I think it counts as a bubble championship. I think it's a one-off thing of its own because it is so different. But uh, yeah, you know, to each his own, you know, you do you. I need more, I need more idioms. Um, You do you teach his own, whatever floats your boat. Uh, What else is there? Don't I have nothing else. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're slowing down here. Um, Anyway. So yeah, the bucks uh, as Jakey alluded to, they did come back after Giannis went down. Weirdly enough, Uh they, they came back. They forced their way back into this game that the heat had taken control of. Um, The heat like had a huge lead uh at one point in the first quarter and then when Giannis went down somehow the bucks rallied and made it quite a game at halftime um and then took the lead at times and then yeah pulled it out in overtime somehow
1: yeah it was it was Uh, a back and forth game and then at the at the you know down coming down the stretch tyler hero hit three threes in the fourth quarter and overtime that were huge uh but then chris middleton on the other end was was absolutely spectacular. He stepped up as we've said he needed to in order for this team to compete, but that's kind of out the window now. But at least he, he you know saved them from being swept. He hit a couple of dagger, wh- horribly tough threes um, from the top of the key uh, in overtime, and they secured the win. It's it's the Middleton performance we've been waiting for.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and honestly, tell me if I'm being crazy here, but he may have saved. Bud's job with that performance. Possibly. Yes. Um, I like think- so, so the reason I say that is because like in game three, we had talked literally all season and all playoffs and the rest the be- first two games of the series about how Bud just refuses to up his players minutes. And then lo and behold, game three comes around the bucks against the wall. If they lose this one, they'll go in the three dreaded three 0 hole that no team's ever come back from. And how many minutes does Giannis play? Can you guess?
1: 33. 35 I I knew knew it was a
0: lot less than it needed in a make or break playoff game he plays 35 minutes Middleton plays 36 minutes but so plays 30 like he just doesn't adapt he won't do it like he just sticks to these rotations and he says it's medical staff approved but like I don't know at a certain point if you're the back-to-back mvp you should be able to play forty plus minutes in the playoffs. I mean, LeBron does it literally every year. CJ McCollum in that elimination game without Damian Lillard and with a broken back play forty plus minutes against the Lakers. Yeah, exactly. That's a great like, point. You just you can't tell me that this is medically like. You're a superstar. You're the MVP. You should be able to play forty plus minutes in a playoff game. A playoff game. I'm not even asking you to average that, which is what LeBron does every year. Just a playoff game. Like it, I don't know.
1: Yeah, this whole new era of of resting and what's what's it called um whatever look does load management i just think it's a whole bunch of bs look if you're healthy i plays 40 plus sometimes like when he has to he plays 40 plus yeah exactly i think if you're healthy you play especially in the playoffs you play to win the game i don't think you can have in the back of your mind oh <laughs> if he plays 36 minutes versus 38 he won't get hurt that doesn't make yeah. any sense it makes sense at a macro scale over the course of a season, but the playoffs are a different beast.
0: It's the playoffs. Like you said, Jake, you play to win the game. Like You you have to play your superstars. If you don't, this happens. You yes. go in a 3-0 hole, and then he gets injured anyways. Exactly. Great luck on Bud, right? So I, he may have saved Bud's job with that performance because getting swept would have been an embarrassment, but I still think he should be fired. I don't think Bud's the coach to take them over the top. I think this is a... A somewhat Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr moment for them. They need to get the right guy in there to take them over the top, or else they're going to lose Giannis in free agency. Next, you know, yeah. the coming the the next summer, you yeah. Know, not that this is summer, but
1: that the- is something to keep an eye out for.
0: So, anyways, that's where we stand. Uh, I think the Miami will just close it out now because Giannis. I don't see Giannis coming back in the next game. I mean, Me that either. ankle was brutal, um, and I don't know if they should risk his health if you know in a series that historically they can't come back from. um so i think miami closes it out it's the gentleman's sweep of old um so let's move on uh we spent a lot of time on those two series but those were the series that had the most information and um i do like doing a little bit of a deeper dive now you know being able to to go a little more in depth on each individual game and series. it's nice um but yeah we can move on to the nuggets uh sorry nuggets the nuggets versus the clippers um what I don't really have much to say about this, Jake. You know how I feel about this series. I'm just kind of like, whatever. It's a wash. Like, sure, the, the Clippers lost Game too. The Nuggets pulled it out, one ten to one hundred one, and technically even the series. But it doesn't feel like it's out of the Clippers' control. It just feels like they shot poorly. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. Kawhi had his first bad game of the playoffs. Uh, something that you're not really going to see very often. Um, and that's that's the only reason why it's they are as deep and as talented as they are. They're so good because Kawhi is dominant. And then when you add yeah. guys like Lou Will and Paul George and, and Montrez, all these other pieces that help them become dominant as a team, they win because Kwai is a cyborg. So when he has an off game, Paul George doesn't dominate. Guys don't hit threes. Um, it's kind of a miracle that the Nuggets won. They only won by uh, nine points, I think, eight or nine points, and the game was pretty close. So I think it's indicative of what's going to happen in the series. The, the Clippers are going to play with their food. They're going to drop a game or two, uh, but the series is not in doubt at all. Yeah, I don't have
0: much to add. I think you hit every single point, and I think it's pretty simple, like you said. I think given that the Nuggets got really good performances from both their stars, they got 27 from Murray and 26 from Jokic, um, and they still only beat the Clippers by nine in a game where literally everybody on the Clippers except for Paul George had a crappy performance and even Paul George didn't do great. Like yeah. he went seven of 19. He sure he had 22 points to lead the team, but not great shooting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think that says it all. Clippers played poorly and still only lost by nine. So, uh, yeah, as soon as they want to take this series, they can, as soon as they decide to. So I think this is a Clippers in five, just like I predicted. I'm pretty confident in that. Um, all right, let's move on uh, since we don't have much to say about that uh, to the Raptors Boston series, which is very interesting now. Yeah, because guess what? We're tied two two baby. The Raptors beat the Celtics in Game Four, one hundred and ninety three to even the series at two two. What did you see in this game that was different from Games one and two, or what? What you know? What overall have the Raptors done to turn this around?
1: Uh, OG Ananobi. I think that yeah. shot not only <laughs> saved the series, obviously, but has instilled confidence in this team there. They shook off those, those first two game jitters and, you know, worry about getting swept and whatnot. And they're, they're playing like a defending champion. They're still not shooting highly effective from three, but they're getting it done. Um, Fleet and Lowry and even Siakam chucked up 13 threes. I think this game, uh, didn't hit many, but at least he's being aggressive. At least he's not fading into the background. Um, I don't know. They just they're just playing better. They're hitting shots. Boston's struggling. That that, you know, legendary Raptors defense is rearing its ugly head. So this this series has become a dogfight. It's become two uh talented defensively uh you know stingy teams going back and forth trading games. Um very 80s like to me.
0: Yeah, that was my key as well. I think the Raptors just put the locks on the Celtics for enough time to win yeah. this. Um, mm-hmm. Like they're still shooting pretty poorly. I mean, they shot better from three. I think they shot thirty-eight percent as a team the Raptors did. Um, but they shot under forty percent from the field as a team. Yeah. Um, so they're you know, they still haven't found their shot. No. Uh they're winning with defense. They really yep. are. They're shutting down Jalen Brown, they're shutting down Jason Tatum to an extent. I know he had twenty four and ten in this game, but he struggled in game three. And if you can keep him relatively in check, like twenty-four is is not too much of an explosion for him, right? And, yeah, they're getting good contributions from their bench, Serge, and and some of their other bench guys like Norm. But I'm with you. I think that OG shot just just
1: changed momentum.
0: Yeah. It just changed the fortunes of the series. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I think it kind of shocked the, the Celtics, too. They were on this high. They, they were coming off um, a fantastic sweep first-round series. <clears throat> they won six in a row, and then all of a sudden, boom, they they drop two straight, so it's 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 very humbling, and, and now it's zero zero. You know it's two two. It's it's even ground, no home court. Who's going to step up, hit shots, and take over the series?
0: Yeah, you hit on the head. I have nothing to add. I think the momentum is now in the Raptors' corner. They just got to take advantage of it and yeah, and keep shooting well. I I will say that it's it's frustrating to me to see Siakam struggle this much.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: He he was aggressive, like you said, so I'll give him credit for that. He didn't stop attacking, even though he's shooting horribly. But he's got to shoot better than two of 13 from three. That's uh, – I don't know. There's a difference between being aggressive to me and just settling for threes because you're frustrated because you can't make anything. Yeah. And I think he, he needs to attack the yeah. basket.
1: Yeah. I, uh, that's where he's, you know, his best at. But unfortunately, I think his struggles are an off-season fix. I think it's yeah, getting time right. in the gym – uh, and, and working on his shot and working on his offensive game, which you unfortunately can't do now. So I think maybe he needs to recognize his new role and be efficient with his scoring when he does score and let the guards you know, handle the ball and take over uh, on the offensive end.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right, because the guards have the best matchup right now, and and Serge has been great off the bench, so if they can rely on that, that's good. Yeah. But – like you said at the beginning, it may be their defense that just has to buoy them past the series. Because if they can lock up the Celtics, that gives them a much better chance in every single game. Just just make it a dogfight. Just get down in the trenches and make it a dogfight. And while we bemoaned the ugly nature of the Rockets-Lakers series, right? Because it, it's so ugly stylistically. We don't like watching Rockets basketball. This series can be ugly from a shooting perspective. But I think there's beauty to be found in the defense. And how yeah. they're locking each other up in the uh-huh. matchups on the wing. In the guards just gutty gutty play so i i think it's different than the rockets lakers series in that sense that there is beauty to be found in the struggle amen all right well uh that's all i really have planned for this podcast uh did you have anything else to add on any of these series that we missed any nuggets of wisdom unintended
1: um i just think that it's a little disappointing that i'm not more confident in the Nuggets. And I'm not more confident, and I, you know, and the Bucks, you know, drop these games because essentially yeah. we only have two series that are up in the air, um, and two that we think are, you know, foregone conclusions. Uh, right. Which is right. Which we is thought this
0: round would be better.
1: Yeah. We thought this round would be better overall. I get it. Yeah. I'm with um, you. But I, what I'm taking away is how much I'm falling in love with the Heat. Um, yeah. I, 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 you know, I've been flopping on my Eastern Conference picks all this whole time we've been doing this podcast. Uh, but I've officially flipped from the Raptors to to really rooting for the Heat, um, and I also think the Celtics are going to take their series. So I've completely jumped ship with the Raptors. I'm, I'm being fair weather, um, and I'm rooting for the Heat all the way until they get to the finals and play the Lakers. Then then it's all bets are off.
0: I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you at all. The, the Heat are just they're easy to root for. Yeah, you love them. I mean, all Jimmy wants to do. I'm going to quote Trey Kirby here all Jimmy wants to do is work hard and be the man. Exactly. <laughs> that's what they're allowing him to do. They're allowing him to work hard and show that he's working hard because that's also weirdly the heat culture is that they want to talk about how hard they work. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah, they let him be the man.
1: He's the man there
0: and everybody's fine with it. So. And he's
1: doing a great job. He's he's, yeah. he's, he's been a fantastic leader and he's, and I don't know, I, there's something magical about a team that doesn't have any superstars taking down what was the best team in the league this year.
0: They are. And it's never really been about the talent or stepping up for Jimmy, right? It's always been about his fit and how he just – his personal clashes with the team or the coach or the other players get in the way of the basketball on the floor. Well, now there's none of that clash. This is his team. Everybody knows it. Everybody else wants to work hard and show that they're working hard, and they want to let him be the man. So all Jimmy has ever wanted to do is work hard and be the man. (laughs) He can do that. Exactly. Yeah, perfect union. And I'm with you. They're fun to root for for that reason. And just all their role players being awesome. I mean, just seeing the Duncan Robinsons and the heroes and the Jay Crowders of the world stepping up and playing hard like that, that's super fun to watch.
1: Yeah, they don't have a weak link. They don't have somebody that is in the game and you're like, oh, you know, he's not playing well. He's, hes why is he out there? Everybody has a role. Uh, Everybody's stepping up their game from Drogic to Jay, all these guys. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's it's an underdog story but at the same time they look like the most complete team right now and play firing on all cylinders.
0: They do. But I'm going to uh switching gears for a second. I'm going to stick with the Raptors. Okay. I, I know you said you're jumping ship to the Celtics but I'm sticking with them, man. Okay. I know they objectively if you look at those four games you're like the Celtics have won with beautiful basketball when they've won and the Raptors have like stumbled into wins with ugly basketball and last second shots. And so if you look at that as a whole, you think, yeah, the Celtics are better, but I don't know. There's something in my mind about a team that knows that they're not playing better basketball than the other team, and they're just going to scrap and fight and play defense and they don't care. They don't care if they're playing bad basketball. They don't care if it's ugly. They don't care if they have to muck it up. There's something about that Raptors DNA that just strikes a chord with me and I'm sticking with them, man. Let's go Raps.
1: Let's hey, repeat. Yeah. yeah, they have all the momentum. They've shaken off that that disappointing first two games and they're playing like a champion. So I don't I don't doubt it. It's the east is going to be extremely fun regardless of who wins that series.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ooh. All right. Well, I don't have anything else basketball related to talk about. I mean, I did a fantasy football draft last night. We could talk about that, but I don't know how interesting that is. <laughs> no one really wants to talk about other people's fantasy teams.
1: I don't. Some, the, the NFL season snuck up on me. I really have no idea what's going on outside of the Buccaneers. Um,
0: yeah. And it's just, it seems
1: confident. weird. It's just because the NBA had this bubble and all these regulations and all this plan. And just from NFL, I haven't really heard anything. I know there's not going to be any fans to start the season, but I don't know what their plan is really i don't
0: know yeah that's that's the part that gives me pause too i don't think we'll actually get a full nfl season i think they haven't done as much planning as they needed to look at baseball right baseball is struggling a lot still with covid entire teams going down having to shut down games and that's kind of what i expect with football except to an even bigger degree because they have so many guys they have so many players there's so many contact points like They're literally like hugging each other every single play. Yeah. I mean, the potential to transmit this stuff is huge. And I don't know. I don't know how they're going to get through it without having to cancel or reschedule games. And we've seen them do that in the past once a season, maybe, maybe twice. And it's already a huge struggle for them. So I don't know how they're going to do it if multiple teams go down on, you know, say three of the weeks during the season, how they're going to reschedule and change stuff. I just don't see it happening completely then again i also didn't see the nba pulling this bubble off and they've been great at it so maybe i'm wrong
1: i think the season will be complete but i do think there's going to be hiccups and teams you know missing games and all that and it's going to be ugly it's they're going to have to scramble because they weren't prepared to figure out what to do um it's just it's eerie it's eerie in and in a national pandemic that has gone on for half a year now um that a, a something as big as the NFL season is is starting without without, without a rules, regulations, a plan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe they do. Maybe they have it, and we just aren't informed about it. But I haven't seen it. It seems like the season it's just kind of crept along during this preseason stuff, and all of a sudden it's here. And I don't know how to feel about it. I'm not sure how the games are going to be with no fans. I've surprisingly liked the NBA how it's been just because of I've loved the NBA. Yeah. Just because of the atmosphere and the openness of it but something, I don't know. I'm, I'm not confident, but at the same time, I'm glad football is back. I just hope that it's not as bad as we think it's going to be.
0: Yeah. I I echo your sentiments. I'm with you. Um, I've done basically no fantasy research this year relative to years past where like I go in on it. You know how I am. I'm crazy. I I research everything. Um, but this year, I didn't do fantasy research at all basically until three days ago. I didn't even touch anything. So that's that's unprecedented for me. But I'm with you. I hope it happens because I, I like football. You know, uh, I, I like watching on Sundays, uh, sitting down in my red zone and just sitting on the couch for 11 hours and handing them the remote as they tell me every single time that I fall track to. So, yeah, I'm. I hope it happens. I hope they manage to come through. But I'm skeptical as you are for sure.
1: Yeah, we'll see did what you happens. see.
0: Djokovic, yeah. Oh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, did you see the Djokovic thing? You yes, saw I did. Him bat
1: that ball into that poor wall. Yes, I did. Oh, Jesus. I mean, Ugh. it was a lot. The way my dad described it to it before I saw it was hilarious. Just imagining it, it's kind of like when you read the book versus watch the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't think he meant to do it. Obviously, he didn't mean to. It wasn't no. intentional. But it's just i don't know what was he thinking shooting the ball behind him at that height is that yeah, something i don't know is that something tennis know. players normally do
0: i'm not a tennis player we'd have to ask jeff my roommate jeff
1: do they bat balls at people <laughs> no, he's not here well i don't know what i said that um and just the the time the perfect angle to nail her right in the neck and i <laughs> well, and I, I assumed the noise was like <laughs> like i oh. assumed the noise was horrible
0: i mean i'm glad she's all right i'm glad she's all right um Yeah. And it was the right decision, right? If we want to talk about like macro scale, it's the right decision to eject him from the tournament. Because sure, you can say like, it's Djokovic. He's going for his 18th title. He's trying to, you know, catch Nadal and Federer. But if that was a different player, if that was a worse player or less well-known player, and they didn't eject him. Like that would be one thing, but most likely what they do if it's a less known player is they do this, they eject him. Yeah. And so the, the controversy, if they don't eject joke just cause he's going for this title and he's a big name, that would have been just too much for them to handle. And it is the right thing to do. You can't, you lose, you can't lose your cool like that. It's like if a basketball player threw a ball at a ref's face, like sure, maybe you didn't mean to, but you still threw a ball at a ref's face and hit him.
1: Yeah. So you're going to get ejected for the game. So yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's look, yeah. Like you said, it's good that she wasn't hurt um obviously you never want somebody to be hurt but there's something funny about somebody getting hit with something <laughs> as long as they're not hurt and you don't know them but i don't know tennis is a weird sport i don't follow it it's kind of weird that somebody of his caliber got ejected for something like that like just in terms of not being able to compete uh, it but is. that's the modern day sports we live in and you never know what's going to happen
0: you never know you never know all right, well, we'll wrap it up then since we seem to just be rambling. So <laughs> Let's just wrap it up. Uh, I could talk about random stuff for days, though. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else to talk about, Jake. You, you got any
1: last nuggets of wisdom before we shut it down? It's a wise man, wiser than me, once said, get a boo. Did, did a wise man say that? Or are you just trying to make this a thing?
0: Let's be honest dear. Uh,
1: I'm trying to make it a thing. I think it'll catch yeah, up. Yeah,
0: that's what I thought. This is your... Uh, well, okay, I can't say that on this podcast as we're a clean podcast, but something on a chain wax. This is your something on a chain wax moment. <laughs> I have little no idea what that means, but
1: sure. Oh, it's a Key and Peele skit.
0: Look it up. Well, okay. If you're a kid, don't look it up. But if you're. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> just, never mind. Just, just, I can't censor myself properly. All right. Well, get a bird from Jake. And from me, I'll say that I really like David Johnson this year. I think he's being underdrafted. So. If you're a fantasy football player, keep that in mind. Try and get him in the third round, maybe. He's a steal. Robert Woods, always a top 12 fantasy receiver. So, And he's going, I think, like 19th in drafts, 20th, something like that. So scoop that dude up. And Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson are my sleeper picks for QB because nobody respects them. So but I'll leave it with that. And I'll say peace, and we'll see you in the next one.